Are you in a band? Are you an entertainment entrepreneur? Are you a musician, songwriter, or producer? Or are you wanting to start a career in the music industry? If so, then this podcast is for you. On the Do That Music Thing podcast, we'll be interviewing subject matter experts, artists, and other leaders in the music industry to identify actionable strategies to move you forward in your career, spark some inspiration, and at the least, just have some fun talking about music. So let's get to it and do that music thing. Good morning and welcome to another awesome episode of the Do That Music Thing podcast, where we're talking with everyone in the music industry, artists, managers, label executives, publishers, anyone and everyone that's making waves and moving their careers forward. And today I have an amazing guest. Uh, his name is Neil Mason. You know him from Cadillac 3, Badlands Management, American Bang, and now with the launch of War Buddha Records. I'm so excited to have you on the show, Neil. Thank you so much. How you doing? I'm good, man. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, I need to, I've been trying to figure out when somebody asks me what I do, which thing I'm supposed to say first. I haven't quite figured that out. So it's nice to hear you laundry list them in that order. It's like the band still feels like, you know, the the thing um because it's the thing i've been doing the longest so it's nice to hear that at the top <laughs> <laughs> absolutely music is where clearly where you started from a performance perspective so let's maybe just start there let's start with um bang 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 and let's just walk right through the timeline and, and where you are sure um i mean i'll go back even further because it kind of starts back even further but i'll try and move quickly so myself and kelby and jaren who are uh we're in bang 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 and are now in the cadillac through with me we are all from nashville tennessee so we went to kind of rival high schools um they were both at hume fog in downtown nashville and i was at hillsborough high school but i was in a band at, in high school called llama that was kind of like a jam band that um a guitar player named Ben Brown was in my band and he went to Hume Fogg with Jaron and Kelby. So we were playing these shows. Jaron and Kelby came out and we're seeing some of those shows. They were starting their own bands. We were all about 14, 15 years old and we just became fast friends, you know, and um, Jaron was a drummer in high school like myself and Kelby was playing guitar. So we all kind of were in different bands, but we were all playing kind of the same circuit, which there wasn't a whole lot of a circuit. There was like two clubs where you could play all ages shows. But, you know, we were doing, we were going to all the same parties on the weekends, you know, doing all the dumb stuff that you do as kids for the first time together. And um, so that was kind of, our entire high school was like just being buddies and supporting each other. And then flash forward to, being out of high school a couple of years beyond that, everybody had still been doing bands, touring and whatnot. Jaren started writing songs and uh, writing on guitar and starting to think about the idea of maybe being a front man instead of being a drummer. And I was working a day job at a Smoothie King in Nashville, Tennessee. And he came walking in one day and uh, he said, hey, I've been writing some songs. Would you want to get together and hear them and maybe think about starting a band and i said yeah i would love to leave smoothie king and do something else that would be great so we got together very quickly just you know we were already buddies so it's like we'd already checked all the all the buddy boxes you know and it was really just a matter of diving into the music and trying to figure out how we could kind of collaborate and align and that happened very quickly 
I had been writing some songs from my previous band and so had had some experience with that and just being in bands in general and so we quickly just started working on that kind of putting together a band um and our thing was always just playing a ton of shows and that's kind of what we've done all the way through so we did we started bang 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 uh we got a record deal with warner brothers la back in like 2007 or 8 and put out a record and an ep with them that all it was it was kind of a challenging situation but it was good for reasons that we'll probably get to here in a minute because it opened up some relationships that have continued to kind of pay forward into some of the things that are going on for us now um so american bang uh <laughs> somewhere in there bang 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 became american bang um if we want to come back to that we can <laughs> but uh american bang ended in 2010 and we were not quite ready to be done and so we just very quickly that was like the winter of 2010 and by the spring of 2011 we had made the first the Cadillac Black record which is now kind of the self-titled the Cadillac 3 album and we were just kind of off to the races we we used some of the relationships that we had at the end of American Bang to get some of our first shows as Cadillac our first show was opening for ZZ Top at a little amphitheater in Nashville and uh, we were kind of off to the races, you know, we were selling CDs out of the back of the van and literally stamping them and, um, you know, printing them on the couple days that we were home, you know, like literally in a disc changer, you know, just enough to get through the next weekend to kind of pay for gas and whatnot. And so, um, you know, you flash forward from that and it was like 12, 13 years later, we uh, are still doing that. So uh, I don't know if that touched everything that you wanted to touch, but that's the very quick version. Now, I love the the go, I say go get them, but I love that indie mentality. Um, it's something that I've experienced. Um, I came up in Nashville a little bit after uh, Bang Bang Bang. Uh, and I think those two clubs were Next Gen and IndieNet, or those were the two that were for me. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, if in that those early high school days for us, um, IndyNet was definitely one of them. And there was this little pizzeria called Guido's that was behind uh, San Antonio Taco Factory on 21st Avenue. And that's, I literally got my first record deal in that pizza place. Um, so it's, it's definitely like just one of those, I drive by there now, it's been like seven different things. It's like some weird like chicken wing place or something now, but um, Yes, I, it's always been a do-it-yourself mentality, and it still is, to be honest. Like, you know, you you continue to have different things happen that are bigger and better than the last thing, but nobody nobody's really going to do more for you than you're willing to do for yourself, and so you kind of have to have that go-get-em attitude, and that's been the biggest driver of anything that we would call successful in our career, you know, and so... That's kind of the, the thing that we continue to, to hang our hat on. I think one thing that, you know, you and the band and all your endeavors that I've noticed from an outside perspective is that you guys never stop. It always feels like you're, you're doing something. You're, you're making action. You're not just sitting back and relaxing. You're making stuff happen, but you're doing that on your own is what it feels like. Yeah. I mean, we, we've got a great team around us for sure. And, you know, it's, it's, you know, you need, 
you need to find like-minded people that are going to be willing to to put in long hours and do hard work with you. Um, but I also think that you can't expect anybody to work harder than you're willing to work. And so I think to your point, when it comes to action, it's like, yeah, I mean, I wake up every single morning excited to one, have the opportunity to be working in music and two, to, to pick up where I left off, you know, right before I went to bed the night before it's like, I, you know, my, my breaks are literally just to refuel so that I can keep going, you know? And I think that that's, that's sort of when you find something you love, you're you are energized by it and and so then you you know you are always kind of waking up being like okay that's where we were where are we going today and you know and trying to be i think to your point actually actionable um actually trying to move concrete agendas along rather than just sit around and talk about daydreams you know it's like there's daydreams are great but once you have a daydream, it's like, okay, what are the action actionable things that we can put into place to go and actually turn that into a reality so that we can then look back and be like, holy crap, I can't believe that happened. And I think that that's, as time has gone on and we've kind of shown ourselves that some of those daydreams are actually possible, you know, you kind of only get more confident in the idea that, okay, well, if we could do that, why can't we do this? Um, you know, and then you just, you kind of keep throwing stuff at a wall and sometimes stuff sticks and sometimes you swing and you miss, but it's like, you still learn something from the miss and whatever that miss is, like, it's going to inform the next time that you try and do something crazy again. Well, let's talk about the relationships. You mentioned this early on, and it seems to be a reoccurring theme in a lot of the conversations that I have with folks. Uh, one of those reoccurring themes is, you know, A, don't be an asshole to people, but also, you know, build relationships, but build authentic ones and provide value to people. How has that concept impacted your move from one project to the next in that consistent growth? Yeah. I, you know, I think I, I didn't, <laughs> it's funny, not that I'm sitting here trying to have a whole religious conversation, but it's like, I didn't really grow up going to church or anything like that. I, it was just not something that my family was doing, but that whole mentality of like doing to others as you'd have them doing to you is like is something that, you know, is kind of another version of like, Hey, the music business is hard. Don't be an asshole. You know, like it's, it's all sort of the same sentiment you know which is really just like hey like we're all trying to accomplish these kind of unknown hard to reach there's no playbook for goals and every one of our journeys is going to be a little bit different and it's a whole lot easier to get where we want to go if we've got a great support system around us and that support system may not be somebody that's working on your project every single day with you, but that doesn't mean that there aren't a whole lot of other people in the music industry as a whole that you can have great relationships with that from time to time, you know, might be able to help you open a door that you can't open or might be able to answer a question that they've gone through that you haven't gone through yet. Uh, and I think that to your point, a lot of the things that I've seen as more and more time has gone on, it's like we've been doing this for 25 plus years at this point, which is crazy. But, you know, the, a lot of the people that were 
you know, a, a mailroom assistant are now running a record label or whatever it is. And so it's like now all of a sudden these people that had those same aspirations that we did, but didn't have any idea what they were doing are now running the show somewhere. And they would probably tell you similar things. Like they just don't have it all figured out, but a lot of how they've gotten from point A to point B has been by being good to people, keeping great relationships and, you know, continue to just try and wake up every day and do good work. And a lot of luck. (laughs) (laughs) I can't forget that. Can't forget the luck. You know, one instance that I use for this type of, you know, process is we, the band that I was with at the time had a really awesome opportunity to kind of be one of the opening bands at the wild horse. And we got to know the stage manager there and her name was Jill. And we had such a great time with her. We sent her flowers, you know, saying, thank you so much for, you know, giving us the opportunity. And she took great care of us, you know, backstage and 10 years goes by, right? I haven't heard from Jill in forever. I joined NSAI three years ago, two years ago. And lo and behold, I get an email from Jill, who is now the director of membership. And she was able to connect me with uh, some really great songwriters right off the bat, you know, right from joining. And all of it stemmed from a really good relationship. And we hadn't talked to each other in a decade, roughly. And, you know, it, it was just so cool to see that kind of manifest in real life. Yep. 100%. I mean, our this new label venture that we've just started war Buddha records is really a, a byproduct of the exact same kind of thing. Um, Aaron Bashuk, that is the co-chairman of Warner records in LA is an old friend of ours from the American bang days. Uh, he was working at Atlantic records at the time we were signed to Warner. That's all kind of under the same umbrella. We became friends with him through our and our guy, that had signed us in that Warner deal. And uh, he, at that point was kind of a junior A&R, but in that same window of time, he had some really big successes. Like he signed Bruno Mars and he signed Flo Rida and he signed like a bunch of things that went on to have, you know, massive, massive careers. And, and so with that, you know, his, his star just kind of kept rising. And a few years ago, he got the opportunity to, become the co-chairman of, of Warner and and that is one of the main reasons that we've just gotten this opportunity to to start our labels you know we just we've stayed friends you know it's always just been positive and we've kept up with each other and when we ran into each other last summer we got into just a very friendly conversation about what everybody was up to and it very quickly just kind of led to like well maybe there's something that we can do together and you know, that doesn't happen if you don't know somebody, um, you know, you don't just walk into, you know, somebody that's running a, a big company's office and say, hey, you should give me a joint venture. You know, it's like, that's not how it would work. And, um, you know, so we're really, that's just the same as your example. Um, you know, it's almost identical, really. It's just a different situation where it's literally just like, right place, right time with people that have just been out doing work for a long time until you finally get to a place where it's like, Hey, maybe we can do some work together, you know? And we had never directly worked together prior to that. We had just known each other, kept up with each other and been fans of what each other were doing. 
No, those are those are the stories that I, I love hearing, you know, where it is it's a simple relationship that turns into something really awesome. But let's talk about that. A, that is like one of the coolest record label names I've ever heard. Uh, but let's talk about War Buddha. What's what's the plan? What's what's happening there? Yeah, I mean, so I mean, like I said, it's it's all pretty new. It You know, this this all started coming about like last summer and so, I mean, it, it really all happened very quickly, which is exciting. And all, one of the reasons that I think for everybody that it has felt like a yes the whole time is because there was really nothing about it that felt hard. It was it was just positive conversation that led to, you know, getting, you know, a deal done and all this stuff that kind of has to happen behind the scenes. And, and that very quickly led to us identifying and finding and signing our first artist this girl named Rhett Madison that we announced a week or two ago and uh and she's incredible and like exactly what I think Jaren and I want the label to represent which is really just that you know we have been through three or four label deals ourselves and so as artists and so we've got really just a good amount of kind of insight into what it feels like to be an artist within a record deal and what feels good what's felt bad what could be better um and also just kind of having the knowledge of what it's like to be an artist in general from a touring standpoint from like a where money comes from where money doesn't come from you know what what about a deal feels good what about a deal doesn't feel good and it's like our label and everything that we want to do is to just basically put together the best situation for artists that we possibly can to give them as much comfort and a home to be able to then be as creative as they want to be. And, and I think that there are some things we can do within our deal structure that I think are really tangible things that can make artists feel a level of comfort that sometimes other deals don't feel like. And then I think creatively and artistically you know we've we've got a good understanding as songwriters and producers and touring artists of of kind of what it takes to to build a career and and hopefully we can be really supportive in all of those ways on top of just the relationships that we have and trying you know the good relationships that we've tried to keep over the years so that we can introduce people that we're working with into those other worlds and you know and hopefully find some creative synergies there that everybody can be excited about but i mean again it's like this wasn't necessarily something in the master plan in the sense that we weren't out there banging on doors trying to make it happen it was something that we had talked about from a creative standpoint it would be cool one day to have a label where we can sign things that we feel like are maybe don't quite fit into you know any of these other labels that exist out there you know it's like we're not trying to be in direct competition with you know, a, a major label that's already doing what they're doing at the top of their game, our thing's going to have to be a little bit different, you know? And so like, let's carve out our world and have it be this unique little world for artists that kind of, as we're saying often these days kind of fit out more than they fit in. I feel like that parallels the work of the Cadillac three so well from like a stylistic perspective. I remember when, when the first record dropped, it blew my mind. I'm like, this is everything that I want in a record. It's Southern rock, but it's country, but it, it's also just mean and aggressive, but it grooves. I'm like, it's really hard to find all of those things. And I felt like, you know, 
and you and you know the other guys continue to kind of you know trailblaze from a stylistic perspective it makes complete sense that you would do the same thing from a business perspective yeah for sure and i mean that's that's how we see it and i think that the thing that's nice about this label opportunity is that our musical interests are pretty wide you know i mean that the thing with the cadillac 3 is that the cadillac 3 is this sound that the three of us make when we go into a garage and we just turn stuff on and start playing and so there's you know if we could sound like bruno mars we would love to but that's not what we sound like you know and so but that doesn't mean that we don't love bruno mars you know or we don't love uh you know willie nelson or we don't love you know on down the line it's like our our musical interests are all across the board and so what's cool about this opportunity is now we get to go out and we just get to go like, what's the coolest shit that we can find? You know, what's the crazy, like, who are the people that are speaking, you know, the most truth. And that's, those are the people that I'm interested in working with. It's like, I want people that I want to highlight unique perspectives. You know, I want to highlight immense talent and want to give them a space to do that where they are not worried about anything except for, trying to get to the bottom of how to say or perform at their highest potential level. And that's really the only thing that at the core of it, I want, you know, and then anything that comes as a byproduct of that, like that's just a win for everybody. Being an artist and having that artist experience, I would assume, you know, would be a comfort to artists that you are signing because you understand what it's like to be in those shoes. You understand what it's like to be on the other side of the table. Uh, I know that a lot of independent artists kind of fear those discussions because they might not feel like there is that understanding of what we go through on the creative side. So um, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I, you know, I hope that that's something that we can, can kind of offer to people, you know, I, I definitely think we have an understanding and a perspective that is unique um, just because of our own experiences as, as artists and writers and producers and, and just on the more artistic side of, of the coin. And at the same time, we've been, like I said earlier, it's like, we've been through multiple deals. We've been through a lot of business experiences that, you know, I'm not sitting here trying to say that every business experience we've been through has been great it's like a lot of the things that I feel like I know now I've learned kind of the hard way and you know the goal here is to hopefully create a situation where not every artist has to go through it the hard way to like get where they want to get it's like maybe there is a little bit better way to get from our point a to our point b or at least a less painful way <laughs> you know and um you know, and I, not that I regret really anything uh, that has happened because it's all just kind of learning in life. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that, you know, it, it doesn't mean that there can't be a better way. And, and I'm not sitting here trying to act like we're going to do everything perfectly, but I do know that we're going to do everything with the best intentions. And, and I think that that is the thing that I 100% can count on because it's just the way that we've always worked. Well, as if you're not already busy enough being in a touring act and now you're launching a record label, I wanted to talk to you about Badlands Management. What are you doing there? Yeah, so this past four or five, 
five or six years I've been managing artists. Um, Austin Jinx, Ray Fulcher. Uh, I have a band called Jive Talk that is a indie rock band in Nashville that I'm managing now. And then for the past, I guess, little over a year, I've also been managing the Cadillac 3 now as well. We're, we've actually been kind of in a transition over the last handful of months because with this label stuff popping up, with kind of deciding after that first year to kind of continue down the path of self-managing the Cadillac 3. The Cadillac 3 has always been through red light management, or it has been for the last few years. And so the big thing that I'm trying to do with all things management is it's really not that dissimilar to what we were just talking about, about the label stuff. It's, it's like offer advice in the places that I feel like I can be helpful and knowledgeable, which a lot of that stuff does come from just kind of the growing pains of trying to figure out how to do stuff yourself, trying to be a pretty self-sufficient band. Like the Cadillac three has always tried to be you, you know, you, you go banging on doors and then you run into dead ends and roadblocks and you have to kind of figure out what you're doing, you know? So, I mean, it might be something as simple as like, you know, how do I pay my taxes, you know, or it might be, uh, you know, as an artist, you know, how do I do that? You know, there's, there's five people in this band. How do we have, you know, how do we pay for stuff as a band? And then also how do I do my individual taxes with now having this band entity, you know, there's those kinds of conversations. There's, you know, all the like, ins and outs of touring you know it's like budgeting you know how to save money here so that you can spend a little more money there um you know ordering merch on time like all of these things that kind of come with with being an artist that you just need somebody in your in your corner that is going to kind of always be available because there's going to be something every day that pops up that it's like oh i didn't see that coming um you know so that's what i've been trying to do for as a manager for the people that I work with um I I've always kind of worn a little bit of the business hat in in my band and and just having these kinds of conversations with any managers that we've ever had and so it was a fairly natural progression to just try and help out some people that I was a big fan of um so yeah okay so let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about what is your approach to songwriting and publishing. I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are songwriters. So I'd love to, you know, kind of hear your approach on songwriting and your approach on publishing. Songwriting is interesting because I feel like I have to kind of live in two different brains. There's, there's like the proactive brain, which is the, I'm always looking for ideas. I'm always like listening for just that little spark of something that gives me excitement. And, and, and I might not be able to do anything with it in that moment, but it's just like enough for me to like jot down something that will remind me of what I felt when I heard it. So I'm proactive and always looking for just a spark. And, and then at the same time, I also feel like it's nice to just sit back and see what comes because sometimes the best stuff that has hit me has been when I am not trying to make myself write a song. So it's like, I think, especially with the Nashville approach to songwriting, it's like, you know, 
you clock in at 11, you're going to clock out at like three or four or whatever it is, um, unless you have a really good day where you're done in an hour or two. And, and so there is like, I guess that's a proactive thing as well. You know, you're just kind of going like, I'm set aside this time to get in this room to see what happens. Um, you know, and so I, and I think there's a lot of value in that. Like, I like, I like that. I like the idea that it's on the calendar and you're there to show up. And at the same time, I also like to create these places in my calendar that are just kind of blank that writing a song might be an option or writing something different might be an option or you know if if more of my business brain is on at that point but I'm still thinking about songs then maybe kind of to your question about publishing it's like maybe I go and I start thinking like I need to listen through some of the last few months songs for who I should be pitching these to and like think about what relationships I have that would make sense and help connect a dot for a song that maybe hasn't been cut yet or something like that. So um, when it comes to songwriting, it's like, I kind of have to trick myself a little bit because it's, you know, I, the proactive part's easy, you know, you're like always listening, always thinking, and then you're just making sure that there's stuff on your calendar to where you're going to have these opportunities and times to write. And then at the same time, I do really like to kind of leave those windows of time where I can walk by a guitar and just think, Oh, it'd be nice to pick that up right now, <laughs> you know, and just see what happens. <laughs> um, because you can have that happen, sit down with that and start an idea that then maybe you carry forward into some right that's on your calendar, you know, and have something that's kind of sussed out that you know, you're excited about. And I think that, that's probably the biggest thing when it comes to songwriting is, is like when you get in that rhythm of just showing up where your calendar is telling you to go and you haven't done any of the like pre homework, then I think it's harder to show up and go into that room and like expect that you're going to write something that you absolutely love. Um, you know, and it's not impossible. It's definitely happened. You definitely get surprised sometimes, but you also like the clock has started running at that point. And so if you show up with the clock running unprepared, sometimes you might just kind of go, yeah, let's write that idea. Even if you don't actually think it's the best idea. How has being in a rock band affected the way that you write? And the reason I say that is because my background was in rock music and we would just show up two or three times a week, all get in the same room. Oh, somebody banged out a riff. Cool, we're there for three hours and we knock out a song. It's a little, it's a, a little different process, but also a kind of a similar one when you get into a writer room in Nashville. How has that affected the way that you approach writing now? It's funny, like our band doesn't write like a rock band very often. Um, like the amount of songs that we've written, like in a practice room, is less than a handful. I would say. Um, most of our songs happen kind of, I guess, maybe in a more traditional Nashville sense, uh, you know, of not, well, I say, uh, let me say this again. A lot of our songs are written with 
more so like we're writing like we're like we're recording the song for the first time um so we're trying to sketch out a rough demo more than we are trying to we're thinking about how we would play it live but we're more so trying to get that initial recording that makes us excited that makes us think it might be a cadillac song for us to go and record for the band so that that's like you know finding a dead snare sound that we're excited about and like finding a guitar tone that we're excited about and all that kind of stuff but most of the cadillac songs we write we write on the bus so we don't really write tc3 songs in nashville very often we kind of reserve nashville for nashville which is like writing songs for pitch writing songs uh with other artists and spending that time kind of on more traditional kind of Nashville home demos and things of that nature. Well, Neil, thanks for, you know, talking to us about your story and, you know, you've provided some incredible insight on how to move, you know, a career forward like you have. Uh, but this is my favorite part of the show where we talk to each other and we really kind of define what are three actionable items that someone can do today to move their career forward in the music industry? If you're an artist in the music industry, to me, there are so many different buckets every single day that sometimes it can be confusing as to what to focus on. And, and I think that a lot of people get lost in the what to focus on. And so they just kind of don't do anything. And for me, the things that are completely in your control uh, as an artist, even though there are a lot of things that are not in your control, <laughs> um, the, of the things that are completely in your control, you know, you every single day can write, you know, can try and write a song. Um, every single day, pretty much, you can try and record a song if you want to. I mean, all you really need is a laptop. Um, you know, there's plenty of free or very inexpensive tools to be able to record at this point. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's just about getting ideas out. And, and that is a very proactive thing that you can do every single day because you don't know until you've gotten that out of your system, what it might lead to. So to me, that is something that's very actionable, you know, something that I think has a really bad stigma, um, including within my band sometimes that is is really hard to be consistently actionable about is social media and and I'm kind of on a high horse about it lately with a lot of people because I think it's just a, a little bit of like a mental game and and I think that there's a way to look at it in a very positive light if you can allow your brain to go there and 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 i think as a byproduct of that you can be a lot more actionable with it so this would be my two cents on social media like look at it for what it is it's a tool to reach people it, you know and if you are in a band and you're playing to five people at your show what do you wish you had more of people and so when it comes to social media it's like be yourself on social media let people know what you're about, who you are, put your music up there, you know, put your personality out there. It's the biggest free just party that exists where you can literally sit at your house and let people know what you're about 
without spending a dollar, you know? And so that to me is just like, find something every single day that you can put up there that, you know, might draw somebody in and, and don't feel bad when the thing you posted didn't do anything. Like who cares? You know, it's like if a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it, who cares? You know? And, and I, and the thing is, and the thing is, is like when you put something up and it does great, like far out, you've got to however many more people that have followed you that day for whatever it is. And then the next day you might put something else up and nobody cares again. But like, if, if you wake up every day thinking something, why not put it out into the world? Um, you know, if, if there's a song that you think is great and not enough people have heard it yet, why not post it again? Like who cares? Like, <laughs> and so that's the one that I'm really on a high horse about. I feel like I'm supposed to give you a third one. Um, as far as other actionable things, this is one that I think that ties into social media, but also goes beyond it, which is really just simply like a lot of artists are very insular people. You know, we're kind of like in our heads, in our feelings, in our um, ideas about what something could be. And I would encourage everybody to just like, you know, whether it's going out to a bar and meeting somebody, whether it's like picking up the phone and calling somebody, whether it's sending, you know, five emails to venues or to radio stations or to a press person that you've never met before, or uh, a DSP or, you know, a publisher, whatever it is, whatever it is that's on your mind that day, like, don't be afraid to reach out and try and make relationships, like put effort into making relationships, creating relationships that even though you may not know where they're going to go like go learn something from somebody go ask somebody a question like most people enjoy being asked advice you know it's like being asked advice is kind of a compliment you know it's like it's something that that tells people hey I value your opinion and and so even though it might feel like you're you know wasting somebody's time or something like like it's not necessarily that way it's like maybe maybe somebody needed the bo the confidence boost of being asked for advice that day, <laughs> you know, you never really know. So my, I guess that's the thing to me is like, always try and do something creative every day, always try and post something out into the world every day so that you're trying to reach new people. And then, you know, if there are industry relationships that you don't have that you want, like, don't be afraid to reach out and try and open those doors. The social media piece, uh, it, it totally ages me. But I'm, I, I want to go to kids that, that, that are, you know, having problems posting. I was like, well, in my day, we had to go out on the street and hand flyers to people. Yeah. No, 100%. I mean, that's, you know, we did too. We literally were those kids that we would go to Kinko's. We'd spend our $25 printing up 11 by 17 posters. We'd go buy, you know, the, the sticky, the monkey gorilla glue or whatever it was. And we'd post that stuff all over Nashville, you know they get ripped down and we go do it again. And, you know, and I think social media is like a free place to do that now. So is it like, is like sexy? Like, no, but at the same time, it's like, I think that there's a bigger reach and you can make fans all over the place. And, and the more it, it also is like, you don't have to hide behind anything. Like you can just be yourself, you know, and people, there's some amount of people out there that, if you're doing something genuinely and there is, you know, talent within it, you're going to find 
an audience. Like it may be a hundred people. It might be a thousand people. It might be a million people, but like any of that is the starting place to where it is that you want to go. And you've kind of got to get over that first hump of a hundred people to get to 500, to get to a thousand, to get to 10,000, to get to 50,000, to get to a hundred thousand. And so you just got to kind of start, you know, and start chipping away at it. And, um, you know, there's never been more tools at an artist's disposal for free or next to free than there are now. It does make it to where the field is more crowded and it does feel a little more daunting sometimes to like try and figure out how to cut through the noise. And I think those are all reasonable things to feel at the same time. It kind of just all comes back to, okay, well, you got to be even more consistent than the next person, you know, get out there and figure out who you are and be more yourself. Like, don't worry about trying to be like somebody else, just figure out how to be more like you and draw in the people that are going to be attracted to, the more like you, you can be. (laughs) Awesome. Neil, well, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Some incredible advice uh, for folks listening. So once again, thank you so much. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Do That Music Thing podcast. To learn more about me, the host, Christopher Faust, You can catch me online at ChristopherFaust.com, on Instagram at ChrisFaustMusic, or on Twitter at ChrisJamesGTR. If you'd like to be a guest on the Do That Music Thing podcast, please feel free to email me at ChrisFaustMusic at gmail.com. If you're a fan of the show, head on over and leave us a five-star review. Thanks for listening. I'm Chris Faust. Let's go do that music thing.